Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NBA Finals edition of the Technical Talk podcast. The Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are getting ready to do battle on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Denver, Colorado. And I am here to give you a little preview of what we'll see over the next potentially seven games between the number one seed in the Western Conference and the Denver Nuggets and the number eight seed out of the Eastern Conference in the Miami Heat who have taken two completely different roads to get here. Um, we'll go through that. We'll get into some matchups, some other X factors that I feel are going to be very important and crucial to this series right after the intro. It's good to have you. Welcome to the NBA Finals. You're out of your mind. There is no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Nobody will ever be Jordan, okay? Okay, LeBron's a better rebounder and passer. Will you let me finish? Can you, can you let me finish? Call me when LeBron has six championships. Is that your only argument? It's the only argument I need, Sean! All right, so we're not even going to preface this episode. This is my favorite time of year, and I want to share my joy that it is NBA final season once again. And we'll just jump right into the head-to-heads. Uh, these two teams played two games during the regular season. I'm going to recap them both, and I'm going to just run you over some statistics that I want you to keep in mind. Um, these two teams have taken two completely route, different routes excuse me, to get here. And, I mean, this finals should play out as one for the ages. But first, we have to break down their regular season head-to-head matchups. Game one was played December 30th in Denver at Ball Arena. The Nuggets won that game 124 to 113. Top performers for the Denver Nuggets were KCP or Contavious Caldwell Pope, if you aren't familiar. He had 20 points, two rebounds, and two assists. Nikola Jokic had 19 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. And Jamal Murray had 14 points, four rebounds, and six assists. Top performers for Miami were Tyler Hero with 26 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Bam Adebayo with 22 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. And finally, Jimmy. Or, sorry, let me not say Jimmy anymore. Hemi Butler, as most of you have come to uh, know him by, finished the game with 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 8 assists. Um, There were a couple things uh, when I went back and I reviewed this game. Um, You know, in game one, the Nuggets went 17 to 28 from three, which converts to 60.7%. That's the highest percentage anyone has put on Miami this season from behind the arc. Uh, and, and, you know, it's actually interesting because the Nuggets did finish the season, I, I believe, with the first or second ranked three-point percentage. I think it's about almost 40%. Um, and, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at this and you're looking at the percentages, I mean, how could you not win a game shooting 60% from three? Uh, how could you also not win a game shooting uh, 60% from the floor? But let's let's move on. Uh, the Nuggets also tallied the highest assist mark against the Heat by any team with a total of 34. This stat is a little less surprising um, if you're familiar with Denver because the Nuggets average around 28.9 assists, which is good for second in the NBA uh, during the regular season. But this will lead into another topic, so we'll circle back and uh, just to put a cherry on it um, in the future. Uh, as for the Heat in this game, they had their positives working for them. I mean, they forced 20 turnovers. Uh, that's their fourth highest mark of the season against a team that only averaged around 14 a night during the regular season. Um, and to put game one, uh, to put the summary to bed, you know, it's important to note that of those 20 turnovers, 13 were steals, which indicates that Miami had a knack for the basketball and interceptions of uh, said basketball. 
Moving on to game two. Game two was played February 13th. Um, it was played in Miami at Kaseya Center, or Kaseya Arena. Uh, it was FTX Arena, but given the fallout there, um, they renamed it. So anyway, <laughs> it's important to note, uh, before I get into this game summary, that there was no Tyler Hero available for Miami. I want you all to keep this in mind, because this is foreshadowing something later on in this episode as well. A lot of you already know, but there was some breaking news um, as of Thursday morning, which will uh, most likely impact this series, in, in my personal opinion. So it's also important to note that there was no Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets. So they were missing um, really their second option, in my personal opinion. Um, the top performers for Denver uh, were Nicole Jokic with 27, 12, and 8. Michael Porter Jr. with 12 and 6. Bruce Brown Jr. with 16 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. For Miami, Jimmy Butler came in uh, with 24 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. Max Struess had 23, 7, and 4. And Bam Adebayo had 19, 2, and 2. You know, some, some key stats and insights that I took away from Game 2 uh, between these two when I looked at their head-to-head series. The Nuggets would again tally 34 assists. But this time, the Heat would only force 13 turnovers out of Denver, which is more on par with their average, along with a lower number of steals at just nine. Uh, For Denver, of course, we saw their overall three-point percentage drop from that incredible mark earlier to a more on par mark of 39.3% as they went 11 of 28 in that game. So with both games recapped and out of the way, um, let's look at the cumulative statistics from both sides and see who caused the most damage consistently um, outside of the individual numbers Uh, that I just gave you in the two games. For the Nuggets, we of course find Nikola Jokic leading the pack, who in both games against Miami was a combined 20 of 29 from the floor for 69% overall, carrying an average of 23 points per game, 12 rebounds and 10 assists, followed by his teammate Contavious Caldwell-Pope, excuse me, or KCP, who supported Jokic's monster average with an average of 14 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds on a spectacular 10 of 12 from the field combined, Uh, from both games, and 6 of 7 from downtown for a field goal percentage of 83.3 and a three-point percentage of 85.7. A lot of you guys are going to ask me why I didn't include Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was absent for that second game, so that brought his um, cumulative average lower than Contavious Caldwell uh, Pope's. And so when I was looking at it, I, I thought that it would make more sense to leave Jamal Murray out as we already kind of know um, performance-wise what we see from him game in and game out. That is 20 points per game and um, around, I think, six rebounds and four and a half assists, I want to say, off the top of my head. But moving on to the Heat, the story was Jimmy Butler, who in both games against Denver was a combined 13 of 31 from the floor, which was 41.9%. And he carried an average of 20.5 points per game, eight rebounds and four assists, while his running mate in Bam Adebayo was 12 of 28 from the floor against Denver with an average of 20.5 points per game as well, along with 4.5 rebounds and four assists.
The next thing that I took into consideration was home and away splits for both teams and the difference that it makes. Ball Arena is one of the best places in the NBA to visit, and it truly does make a difference for the Nuggets as the team this season finished the regular season with a 34-7 and home record on the other end of their away record of 19-22. and In fact, the Nuggets have a 12-3 and home record during this playoffs, uh, during this year's playoffs, and, you know, it's pretty easy to see why that is. Typically, I would say that the home court advantage in Denver plays a humongous factor, but even I have to admit that the Miami Heat's only disadvantage on the road might just be the altitude, as the Heat, as the number eight seed, quite literally have played every single game one and game two on the road, and they've handled it like champs, as they have not lost a game one in this entire series, and they've either been ahead or tied heading back to Miami. I mentioned at altitude earlier, and you know, that'll bring me into my other point of the rest differential in this series. The Nuggets have been waiting nine days for this game, while the Heat will have just had two days off in between Game 7 in Boston and Game 1 in Denver. And I can't even really call it rest because of the red-eye flight and the time differential shift that will certainly also play a factor Thursday night. But even then, we can evaluate similar stats when both teams rested during the season. For Denver, when given a rest period of three-plus days, they're 3-1 and one on the year, and, you know, just for a fun, interesting additional stat, they're 6-3 and three on, on Thursdays. For Miami, when given just two days rest, they're 7-8 and eight overall, not to mention also being 5-2 and two on Thursdays. Both teams will have to overcome class, the classic argument of too much rest or not enough rest and the ensuing tired legs or rust. Continuing, um, as those are also questions that we just love to add onto things. But we'll just have to wait and see what we get moving on to the roster rotations you know to this point in the playoffs we almost all but can predict the starting lineups and rotations that we'll see from both teams in the finals and also begin to form a conclusion of who exactly can impact this series that we may not expect coach michael malone has most often this playoffs deployed the solid unit of Contavious caldwell pope aaron gordon nicola Jokic, and jamal murray and michael porter jr and for good reason, as the group has averaged in their 15 games so far in the playoffs, 41, 46.1 points per game on 46.6% from two and 38.5% from three. They also carry an effective field goal percentage of 55.8% and average 11.2 assists as a unit. Not to mention their offensive rating of 121.7 and a defensive rating of 112. Coach Spolstra, on the other hand, has relied upon the unit of Kevin Love, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Gabe, ben Gabe Vincent, and Max Struess, as in their 13 games of action, have averaged 32.1 points per game on 47.9 from the field and 37.2 from deep. They carry their own offensive rating of 114.6 and an immaculate defensive rating of 107.7. The two units are different in offensive numbers as seen by the 11.2 assists as a unit compared to just 6.7 assists for the Heat. Supplemental, supplementarily, looking at the roster, we can see some X factors in this series based on our discussion so far. And, you know, the first for Miami is definitely found in Bam Adebayo, as he is the secondary option for Miami on most nights behind Jimmy Butler. But he has so far, in my eyes, underperformed on the offensive end, as he only managed to average 16.8 points per game and 9.2 assists, or rebounds, excuse me. But this will not be my primary area of focus. Instead, I'll shift it to the other side of the ball and his defense. I mentioned earlier how Nikola Jokic performed when it came to shots within 10 feet. 
Bam Adebayo is going to not only have to neutralize Jokic from working his way down to that area, but not to mention the tremendous task that, you know, he'll have in trying to limit the rebounding of Jokic, who is currently averaging 13.3 a game. Taking a look at the shot charts will help us gain a better understanding. Nikola Jokic in game one was contained fairly, and from the shot chart over the game, he was held 8 of 15 for 53%. If you take a glance at that shot chart from December 30th, we see that, you know, it's not really just contained in the paint. He also attempted three threes, uh, converting two and missing one, and he did a majority of his work within that restricted area and right outside of it, which is under that 10 feet range. But again, he was held to 53% cumulatively from the floor. That is a far and away difference from what happened in game two um, featuring these two teams as he went 12 of 14. That's 86%. All of his shots were within 10 feet and in the paint. On February 13th, 2023, Nikola Jokic shot every single shot within 10 feet. Every shot. This guy is among the number one scoring big men in the NBA. And you know, I, I know if that, if I know if I can, can figure this out and, and really focus on it, the Heat can too. And I'm sure that they will try to force Jokic off of his spots, try to contest every shot. And in my opinion, the only way to stop that um, will be a, I, I probably be to have Bam front and then try to cover with a rotating guard uh, if the ball is to make it um, into the painted area. Or we can just go with the classic double team as soon as he touches it. I'm also looking at Eric Spolstra. Um, you know, he ran a little bit of zone uh, in the Boston series. And so actually, I think I want to put that, if anything, I would want to put that auxiliary player three-point percentage to the test more than I would want to put a seven-foot big man to the test when he's already ripped me for 86% in the paint. I'd rather have him utilize his assist ability to force kicks, to force catch-and-shoot opportunities. I mean, the Nuggets do perform well in catch-and-shoots. I'm not by any means limiting them. Um, But, you know, I would rather live with the three while dying by the three, then live with the two, and then the threes that they add only add more pain. But I digress, as it won't just be on Bam Adebayo. Um, now, we have fairly strong expectations of Caleb Martin now. As he made himself known in these playoffs in critical moments, and, you know, he was spectacular in that game seven against Boston, man. Um, he scored 26 points. But let's shift over to Denver. For Denver, I'll be looking to Michael Porter Jr. as I project either he or Aaron Gordon will draw the humongous assignment of containing Jimmy Butler, who will no doubt be looking to take advantage of any lax defensive possession. Eliminating Butler's presence on the floor as a whole will be healthy and honestly a vital step in bringing Denver its first Larry O'Brien trophy. That opens the door for the following question I ask myself. Is it possible to take away Nikola Jokic's basketball gravity if you look at just even the basic slash line for Jokic, you see the 26 points, I believe. You see the 10.1 assists. You see the 13.3 rebounds a night. That's tremendous basketball gravity. So I, I, try to, I tried to ask myself what we could do 
you know, to take the ball and in relation to his gravity, force that on somebody else. And so I feel that, you know, in the long run, Miami might deploy a denial strategy. Um, I, I seriously can't think of how that works as Jokic spends most of his time um, around the free throw line. But if you follow me here, um, there's some denial spots that they can slide Bam into. My only fear would be that Bam is undersized. Um, so forcing him on his, out of his spots, excuse me, kind of like what Tristan Thompson did last series. Uh, he got some late game run um, and he actually did a fantastic job. I can't recall what game it was, but he he actually did a segment with Richard Jefferson on ESPN. This is completely a side note, and I apologize. but um, And he spoke about how to stop Jokic, and it was right on par with what I believe that they should do. That's try to deny him basketball. If you know his hot spots are within 10 feet, try to do whatever you can to nudge him to 11 feet or whatever you have to do because this guy – if you can hold him in check in just one area, I promise it'll make your night easier. Nobody has been able to do that. I've never seen anyone be able to do that. So if Miami can use literally all the players that they can on that, I think that Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera, and even Pat Riley will be satisfied with a win or a loss um, as long as you're limiting him specifically. Um, the Nuggets would gladly take a version of the Heat that didn't see Jimmy Butler replicate anything from the last three rounds. And in a perfect world, that would happen um, with denials for Butler, uh, specifically with the ball in half court, while forcing other players to facilitate the offense. Get up on him and test those legs. After all, the Heat have had a grueling trip. And over the last two weeks, um, they've been tested quite a bit. So if you're Denver, continue that test. Test them early. Test them often. Test them in transition. The Nuggets thrive in transition and, you know, take care and facilitate the basketball like no one else, as we come to expect Denver to do. Now is the time to flex the defensive chops as well. As a final note, I want to reference back to the beginning of this episode when I mentioned the Heat and Nuggets game on February 13th that was missing one Tyler Hero. In case you forgot, during the first game of these playoffs for the Heat in round one, Hero broke the, I believe, the last three fingers on his right hand. Um, and was projected not to rejoin the Heat unless they made a run to the finals. And guess what? He's eyeing a Game 3 return, and it just was reported Thursday morning that he's going to test it out Game 2. So, I mean, how awesome would this be of a help? And how massive of this be would this be a, um, of a help to Miami having Tyler Hero come back? Even at a fourth of himself, uh, which I'm sure probably will result in him coming from coming off the bench. Um, but, I mean, he averaged 20 on nearly 44%. So any version that I could get to give me a scoring boost to be able to keep up with the Nuggets to avoid total offensive collapse, which in, in moments and in games, these playoffs, specifically against Boston, we've seen from the Miami Heat. Um, having Tyler Hero back will greatly affect those chances in my personal opinion um chemistry wise i know that there's a whole other thing that we have to get into we have to talk about who's replacing in the starting lineup we'd have to talk about how he's going to mesh back with jimmy doing as much work as he was doing um but just having his presence there and i'm sure the miami heat are waiting on his return um 
nothing but good vibes coming out of that Miami locker room, and it will play a part. But, you know, to conclude, all in all, this series is going to come down to heart. These two teams have graced us with stories of determination stemming all the way from 2020 as both fell short of the ultimate prize. Miami losing to the Lakers in the finals and Denver unable to reach the finals losing to the Lakers um, in the Western Conference finals. You know, the Nuggets also had the added adversity of what Jamal Murray went through tearing that ACL. Um, And also Jimmy Butler's quest for a championship and willingness to give us everything that he has to win it. You can't ask for a better story. The Heat and the Nuggets will take the stage uh, Thursday, and they'll almost certainly give us a show that we won't soon forget. So I hope you'll be right here with me to enjoy it, um, as I will be recapping every single game from that series the day after um, each game. And, you know, short, sweet, and simple. I'll see you on the next version of Technical Talk. But first and last, enjoy.